Hello, racing fans. Edison Hatter back with you with another episode of First Over with Edison Hatter. And on this episode, we'll be tackling the Saturday evening action at Woodbine Mohawk this coming Saturday, August 28, 2021. And I'll be happy to welcome in a special guest here in a couple minutes to help me break down that racing action. But first things first, I just want to touch briefly on a topic for tomorrow evening on the thoroughbred side, actually, um, Howard Kravitz and I had talked about this in a recent episode for In The Money Plus subscribers, talking about the great action from Charlestown Racing tomorrow night. I just want to briefly mention it here for a minute or two, and then we'll get back to your regularly scheduled harness racing entertainment. But 13 races tomorrow on Charlestown's card um, with a first post time of 5 p.m. The really good stuff, of course, comes later in the evening, starting with race eight. That will start the 20-cent pick six, a mandatory payout, and it's, of course, an all-stake sequence. In fact, there are seven total stakes on the sequence tomorrow, obviously highlighted by the Charlestown Oaks and the Charlestown Classic. I mentioned it on the show as well as last year that I thought it was just so great that, obviously, unfortunate that COVID forced them to have to put the Oaks and the Classic on the same card, but I'm really glad that they did bring it back again this year. I think it's a really... It really does allow for a really great, great card of racing with so many great races on there, getting all the best trainers, jockeys in town. I was unfortunate last year, obviously, with COVID travel restrictions, not to get some of these top jockeys in. So they're coming in um, tomorrow night for sure with some of the big names in there. There's Victor Espinosa's in there for Laurent Giroux, Junior Alvarado, just to name a couple. I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch of others, but, but there are for sure a really, really great Part of action. So again, if you're not in the Money Plus subscriber, you may want to consider subscribing just to hear Howard and I talk about that pick six sequence. But what I will tell you now is in the Charlestown Classic, I do go pretty formful. My top selection, I will go with the eight. That is Art Collector, your five to two morning line favorite. A uh, bit of a price for me, though, that I like maybe underneath would be the seven. Sleepy Eyes Todd, six to one on the morning line. Poor effort last time out at Bonner, but of course, you're reigning 2020 Charlestown Classic champion. And then, of course, right before is race 11. That's the Charlestown Oaks, the grade three event for 400000 for the Phillies. Highlighted by Caramel Swirl from the rail off of an impressive allowance win up at Saratoga. But for the price underneath, I like the two Street Loot who rattled off a stretch of six of seven, or excuse me, seven of eight wins in a row. But uh, it's kind of tougher times lately, but maybe this is the spot where she can start to get back into that form. So, again, that's Charlestown Racing tomorrow night. 13 races, the first post time of 5 p.m. Unfortunately, for me, I had a very difficult decision to make um, between Stanford Volleyball making their first trip here to the East Coast for the first time in about three seasons when they were got to see them down at the American University. They play in Philadelphia tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Again, the Charlestown Classic, 13 races starting at 5 p.m. So tough choice for me to make there. I, I think I'm going to punt it until I have to make a decision tomorrow, but uh, a tough choice there for me personally. But with that said, we'll move back into the harness racing action. I'll bring in my special guest for the day. I'm joined by the voice of the Blue Ridge Mountains, Woodstock, Virginia's Shenandoah Downs' very own Thomas Kearney. Thomas, welcome to the show. Good evening, Edison. So, Thomas, maybe maybe I can ask you for your opinion on that. What, what, what's your advice for me tomorrow? So, of course, I have to talk about, shameless plug here, opening day at Freehold tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, racing through the rest of the calendar year, 12.30 p.m. for post time, and tomorrow a free t-shirt giveaway with the purchase of a program. But anyway, I have to call the Freehold early tomorrow afternoon, and then I've got the choice after the racing action of either Stanford Volleyball at Villanova or the Charlestown Classic card. For me personally, a very difficult decision. Well, you've got Freehold during the day, so it helps pay the bills and foot all the gas you have. Well, I so, guess that's true. I guess maybe, maybe both is an option. <laughs> <Could be kinda laughs> close. 
but you can't be in two places at the same time. I wish there were some technology to do that. I'd yeah, probably I- go the Charlestown Classic, but I did play volleyball in high school. Um, wasn't that interested in it, but I made it through the season, and I also operated the uh, scoreboard. Yeah, I know. Me personally, big Stanford fan. Always tough, obviously. They don't get to the East Coast that often. Um, I've been to, what, three Charlestown Classics in a row, so I'm not sure if I'm going to break that streak or not tomorrow. Um, I guess the ideal situation is if Stanford can just uh, take care of Villanova in a really quick three-set match, maybe I get time to to get to both. But um, anyway, enough about me and my problems. Let's talk about you, Thomas, and um, talk a little bit about, to, to the fans out there, how you got into racing in general, because I know you are, of course, a thoroughbred guy, but then also how you got into the harness side of things. Well, um, when I was seven years old, my mom was watching the uh, Kentucky Derby on NBC, Tom Hammond, Charlize Canty, Tom Durkin, Donna Brothers, those guys. And the horse that won the Kentucky Derby was named Smarty Jones in a dominant effort over Lionheart. Won the Preakness two weeks later, and Belmont Day, I was expecting a triple crown, but that didn't happen, thanks to uh, Birdstone and Edgar Prado. <laughs> but Smarty Jones got me hooked on the sport of kings, and then summer before sixth grade, I saw my first Hamiltonian on NBC, and I learned about standard red racing from that. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. that I was just watching TVG before we came on to record this show, and uh, Simon Bray and uh, Todd Trump were talking about um, imperialism because Kristen Mulhall had, had an entrant out at uh, Del Mar today. But, um, so that was your introduction as a fan. Now, how about um, how you got into the industry as an employee coming up here? All right, fast forward to my teen years. I'd be hanging out at the track on weekends instead of hanging out with my friends or going to the movies or anything like that. And I was at a friend's graduation party. It was Belmont Stakes Day. And some of the adults were inside watching the race. I came to get some pretzels and it was almost race time. So the Belmont goes off. I decide, ah, why not? I'll describe the action as it happens. And then I'm such a hit with uh, my buddy's sister. She suggests that I get a job in the industry. I mean, that was like right when my voice was almost done dropping and I didn't know how I was going to sound, if I was going to sound like Mickey Mouse or Tony the Tiger. But I think I sounded pretty awesome. I think I still do. But two years later, after that, I'm homesick in bed with a head cold. I had to miss Winter Sprint Fest at Laurel Park on Barbara Fritchie Day that year. So I'm reading in the Daily Racing Forum, and I read that Larry Colmus, who is uh, also from Ellicott City, Maryland, the cradle of race callers, is leaving Monmouth Park to call the Kentucky Derby and other races at Churchill Downs. So I had called the Maryland Million Classic and had my dad take video of the races I was calling it. So I used that. And I also made an introduction of myself that my parents helped film. I sent it off to Monmouth Park about a month and a half later. I get an email back saying that I didn't get the job, but I got invited to uh, call my first race there the uh, summer before my senior year of high school. And not that many 17-year-olds can say they've called a race at that age. Most 17-year-olds are making college visits or taking the SAT or the ACT tests or whatever's replacing the Accuplacer right now. 
but that's how it started. That's, that's definitely a very uh, good story. And yeah, I just recently had Nathan Bain on, of course, the now 19-year-old He's awesome. at Leamington. So Nate, you and Nathan may be two of the youngest I know of to get in there. Of course, my first call came, oh, at the, the ancient age of 20, I suppose. You two have me beat by quite a couple of years. But uh, so let's talk about, especially the Harness Racing uh, Podcast. Oh, go ahead. Uh, especially since this is a harness racing podcast, let's talk a little bit about the job you have coming up, um, actually starting just next week uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains over there at Shenandoah Downs. Yes, Shenandoah Downs is the main standard bread track. It has been since 2015 when Colonial Downs closed the year before, and there was a lot of uncertainty surrounding the horse racing community. So the Shenandoah County Fair renovated its oval and infield to uh bring paramutual racing racing to the uh shenandoah valley area they had a four-day non-wagering meet many years before but when colonial downs closed they brought in paramutual wagering over a course of a typical friday saturday calendar in september and october and then when colonial downs reopened a few years ago they elected not to hold standard bread racing. So standard bread racing remains at Shenandoah Downs. And sure, when... and... Go ahead. Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off there. Go on, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where was I? Um, so the night before this year's Belmont Stakes, I get a direct message from Pete Medhurst, who's the announcer at Rosecroft. He also does some fill-in work on the Washington Nationals radio network, and he's the voice of Navy Midshipman Sports. Go Navy, beat Army. And I had filled in for Pete in the fall of 2017 at Rosecroft Raceway, and I actually met him in person a few days before the pandemic hit when I went to Rosecroft. And he sent me a message saying, Shenandoah Downs may need a new announcer. Can I forward your name to Daryl Wood, who's the... Uh, man in charge of Shenandoah Downs. He also does the uh, PR Colonial Downs and Rosie's Gaming Emporium and called some standard bread races during the uh, latter years of action there at Colonial. So I say yes. Pete sends my information off, and a few days later, Daryl gives me a telephone call. He asks me if I want to split duty with Nick Hahn at the uh, Paramutual Wagering Meet which runs from September 17th through October the 16th. I said, sure, Nick will be calling six days. I will be calling September 24th, 25th, October 1st and 2nd. And I'll also be on standby in case Nick is unable to fulfill his duties. It's always good to have an emergency plan. And then during the Shenandoah County Fair meet, Roger Houston will be calling the first two days. And Daryl, since he also does PR at Colonial Downs and Rosie's Gaming Emporium, if something comes up, I'm on standby, but Daryl's might be calling the uh, last two days. So always good to have a backup plan. That it definitely is, and we'll look forward to hearing your calls at Shenandoah Downs this um, fall. Uh, yeah, of course, Pete Metter is my good colleague over at Rosecroft. I know uh, spoke very highly of you to Daryl Wood, the line weaver. I know I threw in a good word as well. Um, it's very Thank you for that. 
of course, I know they, they wanted me to do it, and I would have loved to do it. I, I know, I think the last time we had talked, you still haven't been to Shenandoah, correct? Uh, when you go next week, will be your first visit out there? Uh, I've driven by it when I went to Newmarket Battlefield along the Civil War trails. But other than that, I have never been to Shenandoah Downs. So I'm going to get to meet the voice, Roger Houston, who has also worked with Nathan. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely should be a good time. I was also out there a couple years ago, and Roger was calling some races. And uh, it's a very interesting booth. You'll, you'll, you'll see it when you get there, but you're kind of up over top of the grandstand, kind of looking down on the track. So it's a very cool angle. You're actually in the same booth. He refers to it as the crow's nest. That, that's a good way to put it. You're in the same room with the judges, the photo finish. So a good a good hectic work environment for sure. <laughs> but, uh, again, a, a very good um, spot to call races, to watch races. And yeah, any of our listeners might be out there in that area. Um, you already said it, but I'll reiterate Shenandoah down. So next week, September 1st through 4th, non-parimutuel wagering, fair racing, September 1, 2, 3, and 4 at 12 noon. And, uh, I'll even plug in there from a little bit of uh, looking on their website. I see that there will be an own a horse for a day contest. If that's incentive for people to get out there, um, chance to enter a drawing every day of the, of the fair, one September 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And each day, there will be one winner drawn after the sixth race, two winners on the Friday and Saturday cards. And those winners will get to come back on the f- Saturday, September 18th, the first day of the Paramutual meet. And we'll second. get to own yeah, a first. horse. Or sorry, second day of yeah, Paramutual yeah. meet. Um, first Saturday. And own a horse. Um, we'll get the chance to spend time in the paddock with their horse, the trainer and the driver before the race, enjoy lunch on the VIP trackside viewing deck, and even keep the purse money that their horse earns in the race. So maybe that's a little more incentive for people. Even though they can't gamble on the races next week, they could win a spot to own a horse for a day. And then, of course, if you do want to come back to watch the gamble and watch and wager on the paramutual activity and gamble on it, that is September 17th to October 16th. Friday, those twilight cards with a 3.30 first post. Saturday, a 1 p.m. first post. And again, that is the meet coming up at Shenandoah Downs, where Thomas Kearney will be on the mic. And, yeah, for sure, a uh, great opportunity to meet uh, Roger Houston, definitely a great guy. Uh, Daryl Wood, D-Line Weaver out there, do great things as well. Scott Wugan, their Virginia Horseman's president. So definitely a lot of great people. If you haven't already, Thomas, you will get to meet out there through this experience for sure. I've talked with Daryl on the telephone, and I'm already looking forward to it. So Thomas, what do you say we get down to some handicapping? So we have a That's 13, a good idea. We have 13, 13 races at Woodbine Mohawk this coming Saturday. Tonight, actually, as we're talking right now, I've got it on my TV here in the background, Woodbine Mohawk starting the Grand Circuit action. And this really is the, the reason um, that Woodbine Mohawk wanted to sponsor this podcast was to talk about the Grand Circuit action when it starts up really tonight through the end of next month. So some really, really exciting races to talk about um, for sure in the coming weeks here on the show about Woodbine Mohawk. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, but, but Saturday nights, uh, if this if this 13 race card is any indication of things to come, it's going to be some really, really good racing. So as always, we will start with discussing the 20 cent guaranteed pick five races, one, two, three, four, and five on Saturday evening's card, a $100,000 guaranteed pool. Thomas and I both have tickets for you, and how about this? For the second show in a row, I have outspent my co-host when it comes to cost of a ticket. Thomas Garney has some strong, strong opinions in here. How about this? An 80-cent ticket for him on the 20-cent base wager, so definitely some strong opinions, and if you want to spend a little more money, you can always double, triple, quadruple, 10 times, whatever, up on this ticket to increase the cost, but just an 80-cent play for Thomas. It'll be $14.40 for me. 
And as we get started here in race one, Thomas actually singles a horse in the four. Let's get pickled that I don't even use in the race. So Thomas, make your case for the four here in the first leg, which is for five-year-olds and younger, not winners of three races or 66,000 lifetime on the pace for a purse of 20,000. All right. So we got Pacers going a mile in race number one. I was impressed with the uh, past performances. Uh, I don't have them in front of me right now, and I failed to uh, write my notes down as to why, but I did write my notes down for the single races, so sorry about that. Okay, well, no worries then here. I'll just uh, fill in here a little bit, but I can not disagree with you. On the eight, on the four, let's get pickled. Had a couple outside posts, post six, post eight, and the two most recent starts. A couple of wins here in a row against non-winners of 3,000 and non-winners of 5,000. So for sure, it is a tougher field that he will face here today. But 8-1 uh, to one might be a little bit of a generous price on that morning line. And now that I make your case for you, maybe I should have included this horse as well on my ticket. But for me, <laughs> I use the 1, the 6, the 8, and the 9 in here. I'm going 4 deep to kick it off, starting with the 1 uh, under the Southern Sun end. Man, I... I I say it all the time, but as an announcer, the one thing I can't stand is those one-named horses with no spaces in between them. But uh, under the they southern get me sometimes, end. like a couple of years ago at the Maryland State Fair, there was a horse called Call Me a Lion, but I thought it was Chameleon, like uh, play on words of chameleon. Yeah, there, so there you got to practice the names over and over. There are some for sure that I have to sit and stare at for a while until I, I get them. But yeah, the, the, this one I, I was able to get on the fly here. But uh, anyway, so under the Southern Sun. Um, it's taken money in each of the last four starts. It's been racing against similar company. Has a couple of third place finishes in there, a second, a third, a fourth. Has two wins so far this year. Just hasn't quite gotten back to the winner's circle here in a while. But the rail draw and picks up Yannick Jingra, who's in town to drive, um, definitely will help his chances in here. For the six, uh, I'll get my own thanks, um, was well off of it in a 54-4 and four half mile. They blistered through at this level back on back last Saturday, and he had a really strong back half to finish second, beaten just by a neck. He couldn't quite get there, but came home strongly in 26-4 and four at 34-1. to one. James McDonald back aboard to drive this week, and I'll get my own thanks. Uh, definitely one to watch out for here. The eight century Heineken. Doug McNair, driver choice here. He lands here. And this one's dropping out of Ontario Sire Stakes Company. Had a win, actually, in one of the Ontario Sire Stakes preps back on July 10th. A very impressive win by five and three quarters. But now dropped back into this conditioned level where I think he will fit a little bit better. Obviously, post eight, not ideal. And finally, I, to be honest, to be totally honest, the nine, no plan intended, I don't really like that much. <laughs> but I just learned in the past that whenever a driver makes a choice, and how many times I might say, oh, I think he made the wrong choice. It always seems like they make the right choice. They do do this for a living. They know what they're doing. So Jody Jameson does pick here over the one under the Southern Sun. So just for that reason, really, I, I do include him. I mean, he was a really impressive 16 and three quarters length winner down at Dresden, but it, it was at one to 20. He obviously did what he was expected to do against a field of four other inferior rivals. Um, he did come back with a good second place finish in Ontario Sire Stakes Company here at Woodbine last Friday, but um, again, admittedly, just kind of one I use, I guess defensively, really, just just because Jody Jameson does pick here. So uh, one, one, six, eight, nine for me to kick off race one. So race two, we do jump into this stakes action, the Nasagawea two-year-old open. This one on the pace for $139,300. It was 15 entered in here. It got split into two divisions. So this is the first of two divisions. 
And once again, Thomas, we got some really different numbers here in the sequence. You go with the two and the five, Contact Zone and Magical Arthur, two of the longer prices on the board. Um, and for me, it's one, six, and seven, a couple of the logicals in there, Aviator, Nautical, Hanover, and uh, Many Moons. So I'm not sure if you had any comments on, on the two that you selected in there. No, I don't. Um, okay. Again, I had uh, I didn't write the uh, notes on each of the individual horses down for my pick five ticket. Okay, well, once again, I will mention quickly looking through them here that I can see they uh, definitely have both come off of, of some some good races here recently. A contact, contact zone having won two in a row here from post six in Ontario Sire Stakes Company as well as a conditions event. Both times at a short price, four to five and three to five. Uh, Bob McClure uh, listed to drive, but I think he may have ended up selecting onto the six. He did. So Yannick Jigra actually will pick up that assignment. So definitely not a bad driver to have at all. And Five Magical Arthur, another one that comes off of a win in Ontario Sire Stakes Company, both in 52 and 1 and 53 second flat miles, respectively, as they take the jump up here to the Open Stakes Company here. For me, it was the one aviator, James McDonald's choice over the seven. And, you know, again, I continue to acknowledge that they're usually right and I'm usually wrong, but aviator, another one that James McDonald selects. I would have thought many moons might have been my preferred one, but... I respect his choice as always. I mean, it was a tough first over grind last time in Ontario Sire Stakes final race for nearly 100000 back on August the 14th. Comes back two weeks later off of uh, previously having two really strong wins against conditioned company. So Aviator will look to get back to those winning ways here and try to get a little bit better trip from the rail. The six nautical handover, that's your morning line favorite. Coming out of the Dream Maker series, um, had a second place finish in the final by three quarters of the length. Both times at eight to one and nine to one, so um, to some extent, this is probably a pretty similar company. He will start the morning line favorite in here for trainer Tony Alanya, and the seven many moons again, as mentioned, James McDonald um, elects off of this one, so Doug McNair will pick up the drive. This one also in the Dream Maker series and led most of the way to three quarters and one twenty four and one through what was honestly sensible fractions, but ended up tiring to finish fifth, beaten by four and a quarter as your one to five favorite in that race. So. Um, he will look to turn it around here, and I just get the suspicion that he may end up going off the favorite. But, again, I don't know. That, that driver selection was, was interesting to me, obviously, with, with James McDonald going to the one. So one, six, and seven for me here in race two. As we flip on to the third race, this is another conditioned event. Non-winners of 11,000 in the last five starts, or non-winners of 23,500 in their last 10 starts on the pace for 20,000. Thomas, you go with a single gear to the three nocturnal blue chip. That's correct. And I also go with a single. I go with the one Cold Creek Cabo. So we'll have to battle it out here between these two. But for me, Cold Creek Cabo is making a big drop in class, as is yours. So so if I would have used another horse, it likely would have been your three, not Colonel Blue Chip. Um, but Cold Creek Cabo making this big drop in class was in an invitational out of Georgian Downs. has been against tougher condition company here, Woodbine. And, you know, hasn't been beaten for by a whole lot, really. Um, a couple fourth place finishes in there, a second and a third. That second place finish came in even money against tougher condition company. So on the drop, the key is pretty dangerous. But for sure, your selection, the three nocturnal blue chip, another one that makes a drop down to this level for the first time in two weeks. And when last seen at this level, he was your even money favorite, finishing third, beaten only by a length and three quarters. So I suspect we are on the two logical horses there in the third race. And best of luck there. And we'll see which one of us comes out on the other side. <laughs> Great minds think alike. So as we move on to the fourth race, this is yet another single for you, and this time it's Cold Creek Queso for you, and this Nasagua. Lucky number seven. 
On the pace for 140,300, Cold Creek Queso. This is one that got a win at Ontario Sire Stakes Company back on August the 16th at Woodbine. And then previously was racing against much softer company at Georgian and uh, I believe it's Wartha Downs for KD 5-8 mile track. I believe that's correct. That was a qualifying event there. But um, the Premier Mutual effort down at Georgian went off at 32-1, to finished second, being only by a length and a half. And then came here to Woodbine Mohawk and took a lot of play. Actually went off at 2-1. to one. Um, from post seven, got the lead, got shuffled back then, and re-rallied to end up winning. So I thought a really good effort there for sure. So a 10 to 1 on the morning line, a very bold single on your end, but for sure a horse that I think is in with a chance with Austin Sori coming in back into town to drive him once again. But for me, it was the four and the six in here, and I am very formful in here. The four wearing the six shooter, Yannick Jingra coming in to ride. Um, this one is one of those ship- shippers for Nancy Tactor coming up from Pocono and Harris Philly. The Meadows has been on the P- Pennsylvania Sire stage yeah. action. And also was seen at the Big M. And, you know, I say it all the time but on this show, but I, I am so biased by my Meadowlands horses, I suppose. Wearing my six-shooter, I called his first ever time on the track back on June the 5th at the Big M on Belmont Stakes Day, where he was second beaten by three quarters. That was the last time Yannick drove this one. And I think he's just kind of improved with every start since then. Even on the 5-8 miles tracks, a, a really impressive second-place finish last time out, beaten only by a nose there at Pocono in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes. So as long as he's okay with the shipping up here and um, adjusts to the Woodbine Mohawk track, first time on a 7-8, um, I, I think he definitely is in with a, a good chance. But if not, I think the more local hope is for sure the six better have my money. The very impressive winner in the Battle of Waterloo, winning the final by a head at 2-5, to five, just has steamrolled so far. Was 4-4 four for four going into... An Ontario Sire Stakes final lap two weeks ago at Woodbine Mohawk. Ended up having to come first over, but nonetheless, in a short field of five, was really disappointing, finishing fifth of five at one to nine. So um, definitely would not want to have him singled, especially since he'd probably be a very, very short price again. But definitely by no means would be surprised to see the Battle of Waterloo winner come back to win here in this spot. So finally, we flip to the Fifth race, this is the Simcoe three-year-old Phillies on the pace for $169,550. Ten, ten entered, or actually 11, rather, full field of 11 for this one. So Thomas, you go with the five and the ten. Bulls Delight and Lady Arthur. That's correct. Bulls Delight, the logical morning line favorite with some early speed. But you also used the ten Lady Arthur at 10 to 1, coming off of a couple of wins against softer conditioned company. Does have that six scratch back on July 3rd. Hasn't been seen for about two months, which was the reason I didn't use her. I thought maybe she might need this race coming off of such a long break. But if she's ready to fire, uh, she is three for five here this year. And 10 to 1 on the morning line, definitely a pretty generous price on her. She will have to overcome, though, that far outside post. But uh, since they've angled the gate at Wood by Mohawk, post 10, of course, not as bad as it used to be. So for sure, she is in with a chance. For me, I use three totally different ones. I use the three, the six, and the eight. I'm willing to actually overlook Bowles Delight. I'm going to have to leave at least one morning line favorite off my ticket. So that'll be the one I'm going to pass over in favor of the three Twin B Sunkist, who uh, four one on the morning line comes out of a win at Rideau Carlton and Ontario Sire Stakes Company. That I thought was a pretty good win. Um, definitely takes this jump up in class here, but a good post draw. And Sylvain Fillion um, actually is probably has selected Bowles Delight instead. He has, but Yannick Jingra, he'd say that name a good bit. Yannick, the benefactor, yeah. picking up this drive, so definitely a good driver to have there um, in place of Sylvain Fillion. Uh, the six, Paula's best bet, or bet, 
Paul was, excuse me, Paul was bet Hanover, the six, 10 to one on the morning line. That's my price that I use in here. Had a pretty tough first over grind um, last time out of Pocono on the five eights. And to be honest with you, the start before that again at Pocono was not that great either from the rail, kind of got shuffled back. But what I really think that she likes is the bigger track, as shown by those two pretty good qualifying efforts here at Wood by Mohawk, as well as a pretty good, okay race there, uh, an okay fifth-place finish from post-eight in condition company here. So she definitely takes a significant jump up in class, but I think she gets back to a track that she prefers more than what she saw down in Pocono. So that's the reason I include her at likely a huge price. And the eight Game of Shadows, another one that I think has been racing pretty well here Wood by Mohawk back in July, July 12th, July 23rd, a first and a second in some Ontario Sire Stakes events. Um, but a very good second-place finish at the 5H track at Rideau Carlton last week as well, so definitely she is in with a chance. We fill up of course, in to drive again for Richard Moreau. And again, as I always say, I'm, I'm biased by connection, so uh, bred by the wind back farm in good old Maryland, so of course have to include her as well. So to recap, that early pick five here for me, it is 1-6-8-9 with 1-6-7, with one, with four, six, with three, six, eight for $14.40. And Thomas, with a couple of bold singles in there, is really hoping for a big score on a little ticket. It's four with two, five, with three, with seven, with five, ten, and 80 cent play for Thomas. I'm not great at math, so I was hoping first bet would calculate for me when I made the bet on Saturday, but thanks for uh, taking care of that for me. I'll make my wager on Saturday. <laughs> of course. Betting on um, budget. Good budget, and yeah, I'll tell you, the, the math that always kills me when it comes to racing is trying to calculate four out of five payoffs, like, you know, how many times did I have it, you got to add this, but, and I'm the math major, so I probably should know this stuff, but anyway, what do you say we talk about some of these later stakes on the card, um, slipping rate to the sixth race, the internal Cam Nation, two-year-old Phillies on the pace for $113,650, there was 14 entered here, so it's split into two divisions, this is the first division, and Thomas, what was your top selection in here, and why? Well, the first selection I have, my solo one, is the three, Free to Be Me, who has a six-race win streak, dominated at Rideau-Carlton last time out. Dexter Dunn is in town to drive. He was one of the uh, top drivers I saw at the Meadowlands when I was there about a month and a half ago. And with Dexter Dunn and the uh, six-race streak at Rideau-Carlton, Woodbine Mohawk combined, I think Free to Be Me is going to see the winner circle. Yeah, it's definitely one that's won quite a bit. It does get tougher for her here today, of course, jumping up to the stakes company, but um, I, I suppose uh, she definitely, can, definitely is, was super impressive winning by 10 and a half lengths last time out at Rideau Carlton and uh, seven eighths mile track, see if she likes the bigger track for sure. Now, I do not believe, I know we are both looking at program proofs here, so I'll have to look this up here, but I don't believe Dexter Dunn actually is taking the trip up. Uh, he will not be. It'll be Louis Philip Waugh to do the driving instead, but of course himself a very good driver as well, um, for sure. Um, for me in here, I went with the four American ticket who is c- coming out of New York, was doing all over New York, doing the whole um, New York Sire Stakes circuit, was at Batavia, Monticello, Yonkers, Saratoga, uh, Tioga, and had a couple good finishes in there, but he, she's another horse for course, per se, who I think had a very good two-year-old qualifying effort here at uh, what by Mohawk in a field of eight. She won by three-quarters of a length from post-seven back on June 18th in a non-betting two-year-old qualifier, and then came back in her parimutuel debut the next week at 19-1 to and went um, and took got sat a perfect pocket trip and exploded through the stretch, came home with 27-1, final time of 54-3 and to get the job done at 19-1, to 
and she's put in some pretty quick miles down those five eighths miles track. So I, I really think she's a good one in here with a chance. She's not actually the morning line favorite. Morning line favorite roles goes to the one that fade out who was in the Battle of the Bells as well as the Ontario Sire Stakes. Uh, she unfortunately made a break in that Battle of the Bells, but um, she is a deserving morning line favorite. But I really like American Ticket who I get the suspicion may possibly be the post time favorite in here, but uh, we will see on that. So race seven, a uh, conditioned event, um, as we move on to race eight then. That's the Sun Beach Somewhere, the three-year-old open on the pace for a purse of 86250 And Thomas, where'd you land in here? And what better not to have the Sun Beach Somewhere win selection go to which way to the beach? One at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono, last time out around three turns. We'll see how two turns goes. Some horses, like I know on the thoroughbred side, we saw that with... My fellow Marylander, Nick's go. He's not great around one turn, but he dominates around two turns. So it depends on the horse, but we'll have to see how two turns goes for which way to the beach. Yeah, which way to the beach definitely has been a very good horse. Um, when we've seen down, this is the rare chance where I'm actually opting not to pick any of my Meadowlands horses that I've seen. I had a couple choices in here if I wanted to. Sumo Cum Laude, which way to the beach, Pirate Hanover. We've, we've seen all of these um, this past spring at the Meadowlands, but... Um, and of course you mentioned in there, I never thought of it that way, but in the Sun Beach somewhere, three-year-old open, it might make some sense to pick, uh, one of the two sons of Sun Beach somewhere in here, which way to the beach or Summa Cum Laude. But for me, I went with the three desperate man. That is your morning line favorite. And look, I, I just keep reminiscing. I mean, you know, I talked about it last night on the show here for those who are listening with Garnett Barnsdale, but you know, I think sometimes people do, or actually, no, I'm sorry. I talked about it with Howard Kravitz on the Charlestown feature for in the money plus subscribers but um either way we discussed uh that sometimes you do fall in love with a past race and can't quite see past it so maybe that's the case here but i'm just still in all of his race three back it was on the five eighths mile track down at georgia but he beat in there the meadowlands pace champion lawless shadow and a very good bulldog hanover who we'll talk about a little later on this card um and it just seems to me that, that that he, for sure, is the one to beat in here. Comes off of a second-place finish most recently last week in another Ontario Star Stakes final. He just keeps running into that horse by the name of Bulldog Hanover. He lost to him there um, and lost to Bulldog Hanover before that and actually lost two times before that until he beat him. So he's actually lost to Bulldog Hanover four out of the last five. But um, he does not run into Bulldog Hanover here. And draws very nicely with post three. So, so for me, it's the three desperate man. But uh, the six which way to the beach, likely the second choice. So those are two of the logicals in here. As we go to race nine, this is the Phillies and Mares Open on the pace for 35000 Thomas, what do you see in this full field of 10? Well, the three I have so much more who won the last two starts at Woodbine Mohawk by a combined length and a quarter. Cue the wordplay. Let's hope so much more wins by so much more on Saturday night. Sure, one that's one, two. Uh, Philly and Mary preferred events in a row. Neither time as the favorite. And you know what? She's probably not the favorite again. She'll end up second choice to my top selection, the six Rocknificent. This might be one where I'm in love with the Meadowland shipper, but Linda Toscano sends this one north. Yannick Zingra on to drive. One for ten this year. She has not seen the winner's circle a lot, so that might be one reason that I might like I might like your selection more than mine, Thomas, as yours has seven wins from 15 starts this year. Mine, one for 10 for Rocknificent this year, but she has seen some really, really tough company. The Lady Liberty, she loses to Lion Sentinel in the Barton, to Lion Sentinel, to JK First Lady in the Dorothy Houghton, then loses the Artist Game to Lion Sentinel, 
does win a top-level Trackmaster event back on June 26th at the Meadowlands. That was her one win of the year. And then she's back in Philly Mares Open where she loses to a very good Racine Bell. So she has some really, really good names in that form line. And without any Lion Sentinel, JK First Ladies, or Racine Bells around tonight to take her on, I think she will be a deserving favorite in the spot. Um, so I'm not really sure so much if she has second itis as much as just kind of running into the better horses because she's obviously only been the favorite in the form line once in those races I discussed. And that was in that Trackmaster rating um, race where she just went right down the road and won at one to two. So I think this is the right level for her. And I think she should get the job done. But she is obviously also making the, the trip up from the Meadowlands. So. So much more, um, and Rock Nevison, definitely two different angles here, uh, handicapping angles to use, but they both are in with big chances in that Philly's America yes. Open race nine. So race 10, we move on to this preferred handicap on the pace for 34,000. Thomas, how'd you see this one? Race 10 tonight, Saturday night, I seem to be stuck on the three post position. Best in show, stalk the pace at Woodbine Mohawk and use that speed to get up just in time to win. Last time, we'll see what difference a week makes. That last race for Best in Show came August the 21st. Yeah, Best in Show seems to be one that's definitely on the improve. It's going to be a bit of a price in here taking the jump up from Conditioned Company to this preferred handicap event. But um, this will be the third time that Louis Philippois does the driving, and he definitely has seemed to get along with this one very well in the last two starts. So for sure a good little price to consider on top. For me, I look to the outside. See, I talk about this all the time on TBG whenever I'm talking Meadowlands Racings, and I think sometimes um, the track racing office can do a good job of helping handicappers with assignments in harness racing. So post 7 and 8 assigned here, they end up being the two morning line favorites as the racing office felt um, Century Pharaoh and Sintra, based on their um, – accolades deserve to be in those outside post positions and for me i'll go to the far outside to the eight centra assign that far outside post won a preferred event here at woodbine mohawk back on july 31st did so very well winning by three quarters of the length came on 26 and 2 150 flat for the mile at five to one then they sent her down to the united states to indiana to harris hoosier park back on august the 13th for the damn patch stakes where she finished eighth from the rail. Um, tough trip, really. I just didn't have the gate speed needed to, for the rail there and ended up getting shuffled back pretty badly. It was actually last at one point in the field of 10 and then rallied just a bit through the stretch, passed, passed a couple to get to eighth by the end. But uh, catch the fire, of course, a very impressive winner in that race. And a lot of big names that he comes back to Canada with um, that he, he lost to in that race, including Backstreet Shadow. Uh, tell me about it. 60 to 1 was just closing impressively. Um, down the center of the racetrack uh, in that race. I know uh, Dave Weaver was on a couple weeks ago to talk about that damn patch stakes for listeners that heard that episode. But but I think Sintra now coming back to Canada has kind of been one that's been circled on my radar that when she gets back to Canada, watch out for her again back in an open event. And then here she is. So I will go with the eight Sintra here. You'll go with the three best in show. Just a couple more races to talk about here. We'll start with race 11, some beach somewhere. The three-year-old open on the pace, $85,250. This, of course, that second division. And in here, Thomas, I believe you have a trifecta to give out. Yes, I am playing the 20-cent trifecta. I like the uh, exotic wagers that are under a dollar. It's a good bargain. Maybe I should have a podcast called Betting on a Bargain with Thomas Kearney. You never know. But... My top choice in my trifecta, Bulldog Hanover, won the last two times out of Woodbine Mohawk. My second choice is number two, Jimmy Connor B. 
stopped the pace to win August 20th and has finished in the money five out of the last six starts. The only start he didn't finish in the money, he finished fourth. Then my third choice, the five, JT's Jet, won by a head August 21st, was third August 2nd. Typically, he stocks the pace and closes for an in-the-money finish. So once again, my 20-cent trifecta, 4-2-5 in race 11 at Woodbine Mohawk. You can either thank me later or you can egg my house. <laughs> uh, so for me, I just go with the four on top here, Bulldog, Hanover. Um, I, you know, I, I, I won't say anything more on that. I don't think a whole lot needs to be said. He's obviously won four of five. He's won plenty of Ontario Saturday Six Gold events. Um, uh, he does have a third place finish at two to five. That was that aforementioned race earlier when he did lose a desperate man, but that was on the five eight mile track here with my Mohawk. He is four for his last four and we'll look to keep it rolling tonight. The price continues to drop though. He was a, honestly, I, I said at the time, I thought on Hamiltonian day, nine to five was kind of was kind of generous when Bulldog came over at the time. Uh, it really looks generous now because he was 2-5 to five last time out, and he might even be shorter here in this field of six. Now, the two Jimmy Connor B, I will proudly say, I, I said he might be an, include an exotics back on that race on Hamiltonian Day where he did finish fourth at 74-1 to one, to Bulldog Hanover, and he definitely has come around since then. I found the division without Bulldog Hanover of the Ontario Sire Stakes back on August 20th and ended up winning there at 1-2. to two. And now, of course, he does run back into Bulldog Hanover, but he might be best of the rest. And JT's Jet, 10 to 1 in the morning line, one of the longest prices you're going to try to include in there for third. Comes off of that win against Condition Company here back last Saturday at Woodby Mohawk. So finally, we will discuss race 12, the Eternal Cam Nation. Two year old Phillies on the pace, $113,650 in the purse. This also the second division of the Eternal Cam Nation. Thomas, what you got here? I have the five prohibition legal. She has a four-way swim streak at Woodbine Mohawk in Georgian Downs. Typically, she tends to stalk the pace and then strikes at the right time to win. Uh, you said it pretty well there. I won't don't won't, won't waste a whole much more time on her either. Um, <laughs> uh, four to five on the morning line. She'll be a super short price here, but deservedly so. She just has crushed her company at, at Georgian at Wood at Woodbine. Uh, three for three lifetime. In fact, she's one of only two in here that's even won a race, and of course, she is a perfect. Three, four, three. And then again, the 13th and final, another conditions event, but 13 big races coming up Saturday night, August the 28, 2021, at Woodby Mohawk. Um, and I think we're running a little bit over time here, Thomas, but you know, we'll excuse it just because this is the first time we've had to discuss a 13 race card at Woodby Mohawk. And I think we'll get some longer shows in these coming weeks as we get into more and more grand. The more races, the longer the discussion. That's but how I again, look at it. Of course, um, for sure. Uh, but again, glad to be joined here today by Thomas Kearney. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Edison. Best of luck at Woodbine Mohawk and then this fall at Freehold in the Big M. Thank you very much, Thomas. And uh, we'll wish you, of course, the best of luck getting ready to get started next week at Shenandoah Downs. Again, we'll say it one more time here for the fans. Shenandoah Downs racing back here. I'll just, uh, we'll spend the last two minutes giving a whole bunch of plugs. We'll start with Shenandoah Downs for Thomas Kearney. September 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th next week, Wednesday through Saturday, a first post time of 12 noon. That's non-paramutual fair racing. And then September 17th through October 16th, that will be the paramutual meet. Friday's racing at 3.30 p.m. Saturday's racing at 1 p.m. And again, head on out to Shenandoah Downs. Uh, to Conveniently to located off Interstate 81 in Woodstock. Yes, it's a good ride out there, out Route 81, or I think I took 66 out the last time I went out there. Um, and, yeah, plenty of good people to meet out there. Roger Houston going some races. Nick Hahn, of course, Thomas Kearney, uh, Daryl Wood, 
the D line we were holding the place together out there, and of course got Woog in there for Gio Horseman's president. So plenty of great people, great racing out there at Shenandoah Downs. To plug my places, uh, yes, Freehold Raceway. We open up tomorrow morning, afternoon, twelve thirty p.m. First post time at the afternoon delight. Free T-shirt with the purchase of a program, and we will race every Friday and Saturday through December the eighteenth. Um, at 12.30 p.m., and we will take a brief break then. We'll be right back, though, in January 2022. And the Meadowlands coming back just around the corner starting next Friday, September the 3rd. We will race the entire month of September for those four weeks, Friday and Saturday, with that new post time of 6.20 p.m. Opening weekend highlight, of course, is Saturday, September the 4th, the Wiener Dog Derby. So if you have your Wiener Dog or Dachshund somewhere around the house, you might want to enter him or her into those races and join us for an evening of racing in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Looking forward to getting back to my job at the Meadowlands when we return next week. Oh, while we're at it, Rosecroft Raceway coming back sometime soon as well. Ocean Downs wrapping up now. A couple more weeks left. In fact, I'll be filling in down there next Wednesday, September the 1st. Um, But they've got nine days left in their meet. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, 7.05 first post. Rosecroft will get started on Sunday, October the 3rd and race through December 22nd, Wednesday, December 22nd. First post time, 7.15 for us on Sundays and Wednesdays. And finally, our sponsor of the show, Woodbine Mohawk. They race on Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays with a first post time at 7 p.m. And again, that includes this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Now you've got shows this week for both the Friday and Saturday racing action. 7 p.m. first post time, 11 races that Friday night program and 13 races for the Saturday evening program that Thomas and I just talked about. And you can get your free program, as always, at woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. But that's it for this episode of First Over with Edison Hatter. Until next time, we will talk to you later and wish you the best of luck in all your wagering endeavors this weekend at Woodbine Mohawk, the Charlestown Classic, and all the other racetracks around the country and the globe.